Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. I think one of the main things that we've been reminded about in the last few months, like never before, is that the church is the people. (laughs) Can I get a witness to that? You, me, all the saints, not just here, but all the saints globally around the world are believers. We are the church. And I have to tell you, as uncomfortable as it is and has been in wondering what we should do this pandemic, I love that it is shaking us out of our comfort zones, reminding us that the kingdom of God is not a passive movement. Are you hearing me today? The kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ, is not passive. It's not static. It doesn't stand still. But rather, the kingdom of God is active. It's moving forward. It's proactive. The kingdom of, dark, kingdom of God shines the brightest in the darkest light. The church of Jesus Christ gains strength in opposition. All throughout history, man, I've just jumped right into this, haven't I? All throughout history... All throughout history, the church has, it's been persecuted. They begin to scatter. They begin to disseminate. And you know what? They multiply. The church doesn't die. They can't kill the church of Jesus Christ off. They can't stop the message. They can't stop the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Rather, it begins to multiply in exponential growth and results. That's the time we're in right now. I want to just declare to us to not be fearful. Don't be afraid. We need to be on guard. We need to be diligent. We need to be, keep being filled with the Spirit of God and empowered to walk in our God-given, God-ordained, God-anointed assignment to fulfill the Great Commission like never before. People may not come to this church. People may not come to the churches of the world. But here is the good news of the gospel. The Spirit of God dwells within me. The Spirit of God dwells within you. As our pastor spoke last week, we now are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. When Christ died, the veil that separated mankind from the Holy of Holies, from entering into the presence of God, it was ripped in two, it was torn. And God said, there is no longer a separation. I'm going to put my Spirit in you. We have an opportunity like never before to encounter people right where they are. Last week, Pastor talked about our mission, meeting people where they are. Today, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about, uh, I think there's three questions, first of all, that we need to ask ourselves to really fulfill the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The, The three questions are this, what is my purpose? Or why am I here? Do you have a slide on that, Amanda? There we go. Why am I here? What's my purpose? The second question we need to ask ask ourselves is, what will I do with why I'm here? And the third question is, how will I do it? Okay, now, I'll teach you something. If you're not a fast note taker, you say you can't, hey, just snap a picture of it. All right? You have it on your phone to refer to. Easy peasy. You like that? (laughs) Okay, y'all got to talk back to me. This is the talk back section right here. I'm going to come preach to (laughs) y'all. 
I love you guys. Jamie and Jeremy had this most incredible testimony. You got to hear it one day. I mean, before they met, when they met, they'd given their heart to Lord. Can I tell part of that just quickly? They'd given their heart to the Lord, but they were still living together. They hadn't gotten married yet. They were going to a primarily African-American church. And so they stood out just a little bit. (laughs) And the preacher one day said, you know what? I need to talk to y'all, those of you who are born again. He wasn't condemning the sinner. He was talking to the believer. Okay, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Because when we meet people where they are, we instill God's value in their life. We secure the promise of God's word. The Bible says we stimulate growth and change. Because the Bible says we're no longer to be conformed to this world's way of thinking when we become believers. This world's way of acting, this world's way of behaving. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that happens through the word of God. Through brothers and sisters coming into accountability. So the preacher says... You know, there's people in here who are just living together. And you just need to get married. Right after church, I just need to marry you. And if that's you, I want you to stand up. No, they, so a bunch of people stood up. They, and Jamie actually pulled Jeremy up. They stood up and he says, I need to get, marry you guys right after church. It was a whole, whole series of transformation in you guys' life. You know, that's what the Spirit of God does to us. The God, Spirit of God doesn't condemn. He doesn't judge us. He calls out the best in us. He calls out the potential and possibilities in our lives. That is what redemption is. When Jesus said, I'm calling out what I've deposited in you. In Genesis chapter 1, I think it's verse 27 and 28. He says, I have created you in my image. From the very beginning, God stamped his DNA on the life and the chromosomes of every human being. When you were formed in your mother's womb, he had already stamped his image on you. We are not like the other creations in the world. We are not like the animals. We're not like the trees. We're not like the other species in the world. We have been created in the image of God. He has stamped his very personality and potential and possibilities on our life. And when we begin to understand we can meet Jesus... We can help people meet Jesus right where they are. We don't have to judge them. We shouldn't judge them. We need to love them. We need to let them know that they are valued, that God has put in them some amazing potential, and he wants to bring out the full worth and value uh, in their life. And that's where we come in. The church has a mission. We have to know our purpose. We have to know Our vision, what will I do with why I'm here? And then our mission, how will I do it? Those three things. Our purpose, let me back up a minute. Uh, A few weeks ago, our staff, primarily our pastors, have been praying and seeking God in this sort of new season uh, for a a fresh oil, if you will, anointing of vision and passion here at New Hope. And we've talked so much about our purpose. And we've sort of, um, Pastor Tom sort of, you know, he's the word guy. I mean, not only this word guy, just words. 
words guy. And he said, I really think the purpose of the church universally of Jesus Christ is encounter and transformation. God created us to have an encounter with him and to be changed as we encounter him. Some people say it's to know God and be known by him. You know what? You can be known by God, but you, that doesn't mean you're going to be transformed by him. God knows you right now. He knows you by name. But that doesn't mean that you're going to have this transformation just because you know him. We're only transformed when we come out of hiding. When, like Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they went into hiding because they were fearful. They were deceived. They were afraid. They were filled with shame. And so mankind throughout the centuries has been hiding from God, hiding from themselves, hiding from the purpose giver, trying to find their purpose in every possible thing except the only one who can give us purpose for living, the only one who can transform our life. You may hear a lot of words, you may hear a lot of preachers, you may hear a lot of um, coaches, you know, you, your friend and you may listen to the Zig Ziglers of the world. But unless they've had a transformation by the Spirit of God, they're only words. It's the Word of God. It's the opinion of God that changes our lives and makes a lasting uh, transformation for, and, and an understanding of who we are in Christ. So then, our vision is, what will I what I will do with why I'm here, okay? My purpose is why am I here? Now what am I going to do with it? We believe here at New Hope that we are here to love God and people. Simply put, it's the great commandment. When we find our purpose of being, having an encounter with Jesus Christ, being transformed continually. It's not a one-time transformation. It's a continual transformation. Continually being conformed to the image of Christ. Continually growing. Continually shedding that old way of thinking. And our mind being rewired. That's why Romans 8, uh, 12, 1 and 2 says, Don't be conformed to the world's way of living anymore, but be transformed. The word conformed means, it's just like a schematic. It's how you're wired. When we're born into this world, people, actions, words, experiences, all wire our thinking a certain way, and we begin to have this belief system. Until we encounter God and understand, then, how should I think? How should I live? How should I make my decisions? How should I treat my brother and sister or my enemy? Where our minds have to be rewired that's where the word be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you are conformed to something, pretty simply put, I am not an electrician or, oh, well, I'm sure y'all know that, <laughs> but a toaster. How simple is that? It's wired in such a way that when I plug it in, it gets electricity. I push down the lever. The thermostat heats up. It heats my toast or my bagel or whatever. When it reaches that temperature, of the thermostat in it, it pops up, and voila, I have toast. It's wired to do that. The enemy has sought to wire us 
to think certain ways, to behave certain ways. It has short-circuited the way that God has intended to wire us. So that's why Romans says, don't be conformed to this world's way of thinking any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds have to be rewired, or the word transformed is the term we get metamorphosed from. A complete change. A complete change in how we act, how we think, how we look, even. So, when we come to God, we encounter the Holy One, and we have opportunity to be transformed. Therefore, hatred begins to disappear. Unforgiveness needs to be, we begin to learn how to forgive. We learn how to love our enemies. We learn how to love God more and more. That is our vision, loving God and people, the greatest commandment. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? It was really the religious leaders just trying to trap him and trick him up. They weren't really interested. And he said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, all you are. And then the second one is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus summed up all of our moral obligations in the one word of love, expressed in the twofold direction of God and neighbor. You know, we really wouldn't be in the situation in this world that we're in if we loved God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loved our neighbor as ourself. I'm so overwhelmed at times that the church of Jesus Christ is no different than the world. There's name-calling, there's finger-pointing, there's racism, there's, there's all the things that we're seeing in the world that's in the church. My friends, saints, these things should not be. God has called us to a daily encounter with him, not just so we can hang out with him, which is awesome, by the way, but he's called us to a daily encounter with him to be transformed by his presence. So the world would know that we are the people of God who love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. That is the vision of the church of Jesus Christ. So the mission then becomes... How will I do what I will do with why I'm here? We know why we're here, our purpose, encounter, transformation, come out of hiding. We know our mission, great commandment, love God, love people. And our mission then is sort of how are we going to implement the vision? How do we love God? How do we love people? If it is true, as Pastor preached last week, that we are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit, it's like God is with us everywhere we go. People don't have to come to this building to encounter God. They can encounter God when they encounter you. So he preached last week and taught us that we must meet people where they are. I love that Jesus met everybody right where they were. 
Too often the church and the world has told people they have to change to meet God. You know, if you're gay, you have to be straight. If you're living in adultery, you have to quit. If you're a thief, you've got to quit stealing. Whatever it is, we got it all backwards. Come, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, the Bible says. Come, you who are hungry. Come, you who are thirsty, and I will feed you. I will meet every need you are. You do not have to change to encounter God. This most precious lady, girl, young woman, came to me last week. (laughs) Oh, my heart is soaring. At the end of the service, after pastor preached, to meet people where they are, and he was just beginning to say, God loves you right where you are. She's been attending for a few months. Well, probably mostly online, because that's where we've been. And um, at the end of service, she comes up and... She says, I was one of those who raised my hand to accept Christ as their Savior. And I immediately embraced her and said, oh, this is the best day of your life. I want to pray for you. So I prayed for her. And then I asked her, tell me a little bit about your story. She said, well, with tears in her eyes, she's 31 years old. She said, I grew up, and she named the kind of church she grew up in. And she said, all I ever heard was how bad I was. The decisions I made, how terrible they were. What a failure I was. And I've never realized until now how much God loves me. People don't want to hear how bad they are. The world tells them enough. They need to hear that there's a God who's going to meet them right where they are. He is not going to judge them. He is not going to condemn them. He is going to say, come out of hiding so I can... It makes me so happy when you come out of hiding because what you've done is you've just kicked the devil in the face. He's held you hostage. He's lied to you. He's deceived you. He's made you think that if I can hide from God, then, you know, nobody else will know. That is a lie of hell. And she said... She said to me, she said, "Uh, I've never felt like God loved me until today. My heart just was broken at the same time to know that this is a church who believes people can meet God just as they are. Come no matter how you are. Come if you're broken. Come if you're weary. Come if you're hurting. Come if you're a sinner. Come if you're gay. Come if you're an adulterer. Come if you're a thief. Come, come to the very presence of God so that he can call you out of hiding. The good thing about God is he doesn't leave us in our brokenness. He transforms us with his love and his power and his authority. That's how Jesus lived. Jesus met people right where they were. He met Nicodemus, a religious philosopher, right where he was. Nicodemus was afraid. He he saw these miracles and thought, surely this must be God, but I can't ask everybody right here. I need to meet him by night. So he met Nicodemus by night. He didn't call him out in the middle of the day and said, oh, you bad teacher, you bad leader. He, he met him in the middle of the night and began, Nicodemus began to ask him questions. And Nicodemus said, what do I need to do to be saved? He said, 
It's very simple. You can't be born of the flesh again, but you can be born by the Spirit of God. And Nicodemus' life was transformed. You know, in that passage, I really never paid that much attention to it. But it is in chapter 3 of the book of John. I, I mean, I paid attention to the chapter, but I never connected the dots when he was saying, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You know, it goes on down in John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. He was showing Nicodemus the way to life. He met the woman caught in the act of adultery right where she was. She was probably uh, drugged from the place of whatever was happening in her life at that point. Sadly, the man just got by free, you know. Think about that a minute. Still hiding. She didn't have a choice. She was dragged out into the center of the street. Everybody was condemning her, the religious people throwing stones at her. And Jesus just simply writes some stuff in the ground. We can speculate what he wrote, but all of a sudden, one by one, everybody left. And he looked at her, and what did he say? You know, what you've done is a terrible thing. No, he didn't say that, did he? He said, neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you. You're broken, you're hurting but I'm going to tell you, you've encountered the Savior. Now, go. Don't sin anymore. He met the lepers, the untouchable, right where they were. And he just spoke a word, and they were healed. Jesus always met people right where they were. I love the story of the the woman um, with the issue of blood. He says, let me get over to my notes. This woman had been bleeding for 12 years. She had no sense of value. She had no sense of worth. That's where we are today. We've met people where they are. The next thing that we're going to do, and that's what I'm supposed to be teaching you today, is instilling God's value in every life. Jesus was in this crowd of people. He was on the way to the, to the house of an officer whose child was dying. And on the way, the crowds were pressing in on him and this woman who the Bible says had an issue of blood for 12 years. She'd been hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging for 12 years. I thought, what a, what a great analogy, Lord. How many people have been bleeding out for 12 years in brokenness or longer? They feel untouchable. They feel that they have to hide. She was rejected continually due to this condition over which she had no control. She was intentionally not included. How many have ever felt, you don't have to raise your hand, how many have ever felt you were intentionally not included in something? How many felt like you've been dismissed many times? People have been dismissive to you. Your worth has been affected because someone abandoned you or lied to you, maybe abused you. Maybe you have felt unclean, untouchable, that you're never going to amount to anything because of words spoken over you. You feel no value You feel like you're not worth anything to anybody and you have no purpose. I've come to declare to you today that you have purpose 
that you have value, that you have worth, because the God who is holy is the one who shapes our worth. The God who is holy has stamped his very DNA and his image on our life. The God who is holy has said, uh, the psalmist says, Lord, you've created the beautiful heavens and everything. What is man that you've taken notice of him? And yet you have created him and crowned him with glory and honor. Psalm 139 talks about, God, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and your thoughts towards me are incredible. They're amazing. If I could even count them, the number of the sands and the seas wouldn't even compare to how wonderful and how amazing you think I am. But the enemy has come and robbed us of the truth of God's word through lies, through rejection, through points of pain in our life. And God is calling you today to say, I have put worth in you. I value your life. I have ransomed you from the adversary who took you hostage. And today I want to know that your life can change, that I am not afraid to touch you. I am not afraid to confront you. I'm not afraid to put my arms around you. I'm not afraid to love you. Church, are we those people who instill God's value when they come in dirty and unclean? Maybe they're the up and outer. Maybe they think they're something because they... They, they had this big position or their friends are influential or their children are whatever. You know, it can go both ways, but are we the people who are going to instill God's value, steal the word of God in someone's life and make them know that they have purpose, that God has given them a mission and he has anointed them to complete that mission. The church of Jesus Christ today, I call you out. I call us out to instill God's value in every individual's lives. Parents, are you condemning your children and saying, that's not who you are. That's not who God called you to be. There's a very different thing than saying, you're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything when somebody does something stupid and you say, you know, I know that's not who you are because God made you and he's put within you ability. He's put within you intelligence. He knows that you're better than this instilling God's value. So this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years in Luke 8 says, and as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus and he was an official of the synagogue and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he only had a daughter about 12 years old and she was dying. But as Jesus went... The crowds were pressing against him, and a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone, (laughs) that might preach a little bit. You've tried every other place to be healed. She came up behind Jesus, and she just touched the fringe of his cloak, touched the hem of his garment, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And while they were all denying it, everybody around him was saying, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a crowd pressing in on Jesus? Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. It's like anybody could have touched you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I was aware that the power had gone out of me. 
God knows when we touch him. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice. Can you say that? Had not escaped notice. Say that one more time. Had not escaped notice. She came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people. The passage in Mark says, she fell down and told him the whole truth. (laughs) She declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and she had been healed immediately. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Not only was Jesus able to be touched, he wanted her to know that he had no trouble, no problem touching her back. I could see Jesus reaching down and saying, my daughter, you've been rejected. You've been an outcast. No one seems to have even noticed you, and you have worked as hard as you can to escape notice. But I'm telling you today, I see you. There are two groups of people. Those who feel you have no value, you have no worth. God doesn't love you. But then there's the other group of people in here today that we've encountered God, and our lives are continually being transformed. Our minds are continually being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. To the first group, I want to say, you're not here by accident today. God knows your name. He knew it before the foundation of the world. Hmm. He's called you by name. You're his. You have value and worth and you've listened to misinformed people to form your identity. You've believed misinformation. You've believed lies. God has a purpose. He has a plan. It is good. It is awesome. He doesn't condemn. Even Peter, the disciple, when Jesus was being brought into the courts right before his crucifixion, Peter, who had walked with Jesus every day for three years, was one of his inner circle, denied Christ three times. And the next time Jesus saw him, I don't know, I would have probably been, what were you thinking? I can't believe you've been with me and you didn't know. But Jesus just looked at him and said, Peter, it's me. You know, he loved him. He forgave him. He embraced him because our failures don't define us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our mess-ups don't determine our future. If we allow the Spirit of God to bring out that full worth and value in our lives. See, redemption is like a coupon. I take a coupon, I go redeem it. I get the full worth and value out of it. Jesus says, I want to bring the full worth and value out of your life. Quit listening to the enemy. I pray today that you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. The second group is one I really want to touch in on today is the church. As we look to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, the Great Commandment, love God, the Great Commission is to go into the world and make disciples. How do we do that? 
We meet people where they are, just like Jesus did, just like he met all of these people in the Bible, and in particular, this lady that had the issue of blood today. And he says, I'm not afraid to touch you. I don't care how messed up your life has been. I don't care what people think about you. We, too, have that same responsibility when we meet people. I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care what somebody's told you. I don't care the lie that you believe. That's not what God's word says. So it's God's word and everything else is just an opinion. Do we instill God's value and God's worth in the people that we meet? Let's do a soul check right now. Are we judgmental? Are we harsh? Are we unkind? I believe the Spirit of God is calling us to a place of accountability, believers, to love this broken and dying world. We can get mad watching TV. We can get angry at what seems to be unjust. But the Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers and principalities, wickedness in the heavenly places. And I'm telling you that what we are seeing today is that we are battling the adversary. There is an onslaught in our world. And God is calling us to be people of prayer, as Pastor Matt said just a little while ago. God is calling us to stand in the gap as priests to instill value in every life, in every heart, in every person. I believe more than ever he's calling us to do that. We need to be on the lookout for people. Some of us just want, God, I'm just going to put blinders on. Don't show me anybody I need to talk to. The kingdom of God is not passive. The kingdom of God is active. So I am calling you and declaring over the church of Jesus Christ, all those who are born again, to be on the lookout. Look out for the hurting and the broken. Someone that you can just touch. Well, maybe they won't want you to touch them, but you know what I mean. That you can just say something, man, that... Thank you for serving me so well today, this food. Thank you for making a difference in my life. Thank you for that great smile. Begin to instill worth and value in their life. Be on the lookout. Raise your hand right now if you want to be on the lookout, that you need those God moments. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every individual has a God moment this week, more than one. I pray we have them every day. I pray we have them every day that we have God divinely appointed encounters to instill God's value in someone's life. Teach us how, Lord. Show us what to say. If they're shy, tell them you're going to, if they'll just open their mouth, you'll fill it with something good to say. Lord, I pray that over the church of Jesus Christ today, that we will have those opportunities to share the love of Jesus Christ instilling God's value in every life. So this woman, let me finish up. This woman, she comes out of hiding. That's what it means that she, um, she discovered she was no longer able to hide. She had not escaped notice. But here's the great thing. She also discovered there was no reason to hide anymore. Now that's a word for somebody today, I believe. You say, I'm going to come out of hiding. I've been exposed. But God will give you such a grace to know that you don't have to go into hiding anymore. 
that that fear can be uh, cast down in the name of Jesus. <laughs> she fell down and told him the whole truth. When people start bearing their soul to you, I love this precious girl who is on this text thread. She might be here today. I'm not going to point her out. I told her I wouldn't do that. But immediately, she, let's see if I have it up. I have to go way, 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 way back because they have blown up her phone today. Uh, oh, so let me tell you, let me finish that story. What happened? So she comes up and I start praying and I hear her story and my heart just oh, breaks. Are we broken when people tell us they're hurt and pain? Oh, goodness. And so as I told her, she started telling us um, her hurt and her pain, started telling me. I said, you know what? I, I called somebody over. I called Amanda over. She was the closest one. I called her over and I said, I want you to meet somebody. So she met Amanda. And I told her, they told her her story. Amanda immediately starts loving on her. I call over Linda, somebody else. Bethany's there. Jamie's there. Courtney's there. So one by one, they come over and they just start loving her. I said, Amanda's going to put you on a text thread. And uh, we're going to blow up your phone this week. All of these girls are amazing. They all have stories of brokenness, of hurt, of pain. <laughs> and uh, so before we even got out, of, got out of Dodge, so to speak, they started blowing up her phone. And um, so Amanda says, isn't it amazing how he made an appointment just for you on his calendar today? He is God, Jehovah El Roy, who sees me. God sees you, and he's not afraid to touch you. He's not afraid to love on you. He's not afraid to, to listen and, and let you know that you can tell him anything. And so it starts. And so she just begins to ask questions. She says, I'm excited to see where God takes me from here. They just come back. This, this team of girls are letting her know, we're so excited. It's going to be a great journey. Um, you're in for the best. So they start throwing scripture at her. Put up that next slide, Amanda. You're going to hear about this next week from Tom. It'll be a much better sermon. Secure the promise of God's word. People, we can meet people where they are. We can instill value in their life and God's value, but they may not still come to the Lord. But it's not until we start securing the promise of God's word and they're confronted with the ability to change because the word of God affects change. My words don't affect change. But when I preach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and I preach the word of God, the Bible says it is sharper than a two-edged sword and it begins to produce change in a person's life because the Holy Spirit makes it come alive in their heart. So on and on the text threads go and then she has this question. She says, is there a sin that God can't forgive? Immediately, this team of girls jump in. I'm, I just want to tell you this story because it is so simple, so simple to instill value in someone's life. And if we would just take little baby steps and do it, no telling what God would do with you, no telling what God would do with New Hope. We're going to go through our mission. This is sort of a teach, preach, challenge, correct message, inspire, let the Holy Spirit work in our heart. 
We're going to meet people where they are in their brokenness, in their sin, in all their ugliness. We're going to instill God's value in their life by not just our words, but by our actions. We're going to begin to secure the promise of God's word. And then, this is really cool, we're going to stimulate growth and change. We're going to find them and meet them where they are, but we don't want to leave them in that mess. We don't want to leave them in the patterns of behavior that they keep circling the same mountain. We want them to grow and change. We want to integrate them in their giftedness into the body of Christ, which is I. We want to teach them how to overcome through prayer and praise. We want to network them in relationships and in a community of faith where they can be encouraged and good things called out in their life. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about the church. I'm excited for all of you watching, if you've stayed with me that long, that God has given us a purpose to encounter him and be transformed. He's given us a vision to love God and love people. And he's given us a mission. He's given us the tools that we need to implement the vision. How do we love people? How do we love God? How do we live a life full of purpose, continually being transformed until the day we see him and are just overwhelmed that God would even love us once again? Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.